also want to thank you, before we go into the Word here in just a moment, I want to thank you for your kindness this last week. Uh, last Sunday, uh, many of you were here, Pastor's Appreciation Time, and you know, a lot of churches don't do that, and it's not something that we ask for, but I, I, I want to thank you for taking the time, those of you who helped put together a wonderful meal, great time of fellowship, the, the, the gifts and the cards that you directed to us, to the pastoral staff. I'll tell you, the, the, the words that you wrote in so many of those cards, um, they, they're, they're keepers, and I mean that literally. They're keeping, we're keeping those cards. They mean so much to us. So very grateful for uh, our church family. Really, one of the kindest things that you can do, uh, so many of you have done, and that is you've come up to us and said, uh, regardless of what we're going through or what you're aware that we're going through, you come up and you say, I, we pray for you every day. And uh, that, means, that means so much. Without those prayers, without those prayers, really, um, we wouldn't make it and others wouldn't as well. So thank you for praying. Thank you for being a part of this fellowship. Thank you for loving on us. Thank you for appreciating us. And really, words fail me in extending that back to you. But we are so deeply honored, my wife and I, I speak for us, but I speak for the rest of the team, but we are so deeply honored to be a part of this and what God is doing here in this region and trusting God for even greater things going forward. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 119, or Psalm 119, the 119th Psalm. Now before we read from there, last week, last week we saw the stories of two men in the Bible named Luke and Demas. If you, if you were not here last week, a lot of people were traveling, it was a holiday weekend. If you were not here, you can, you can access that on the website, the church website, and uh, all of the messages that you've heard in, in recent months are there. You can download that. You can listen to it. They're, they are there. But Luke and Demas's story is brief because they are mentioned, there, there's very little recorded about them. They are mentioned almost in passing only three times in the entire Bible, Luke and Demas. Always near each other, often beside each other. At some point, we don't know their story, but at some point, they surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were probably non-Jewish people. They were Greek or, or they were you know, a part of that greater Roman Empire, uh, which included most Jews at that time, but, but they, were, they were people who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Someone had shared Christ with them. They understood, they, they realized their need. They understood that Jesus was alone the answer for their world and still for ours today. They surrendered their lives to him and they began to follow him. And that's not all they did. But because not only did they just surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they also, they also began to tell other people about Jesus Christ. They teamed up with a man named Paul. We refer to him as the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, along with Luke and Demas and Silas and before that Barnabas and others, John Mark, there were others who were a part of this group that would often go out and tell people about Jesus. And the Bible tells us that they did this for a number of years, at least five years, perhaps longer. That Paul and Luke and Demas were in this telling people 
about Jesus together. The last time they are mentioned, Paul wrote how Luke was still with him. It's, in, it's, a, it's a brief reference at the conclusion of 2 Timothy, and Paul writes how Luke was still with me. Now, we, we know a, a part of the rest of Luke's story, the rest of his story. We know that Luke would go on to, to write one of the Gospels of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. Luke was one of those Gospel writers. Not only that, but Luke, who was by trade a physician, was also used as an, an historian. He, he wrote the history book of the early church. We call it the book of Acts. It too is a part of your Bible. In fact, if, if, you, if you count up the number of verses, Luke was used by the Lord to write more of the New Testament than any other person. Significant amount of scripture. Luke. So we know about his story, how Luke was a, a fellow believer, a, a fellow laborer with Paul, but then he goes on and is used in even, in some ways, greater ways because we still have all of this today. But Paul also wrote how, how Demas, in that final reference to these two men, Paul also wrote how Demas had deserted him. He said that he had left them for another city, and then he gave only this, this brief, almost cryptic explanation because he loved this world. Not much of an explanation. It, it says a great deal. It doesn't go into detail. Maybe that's best. But it, it's quite an explanation because he loved this world. It is one of the briefest and, I think, saddest explanations in the Bible of what happened to a person. He's deserted us. He's gone to another city because he loved this world. So you have these two men. Luke and Demas. We have these two men who are, who are walking in, 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 in side-by-side paths. They're, they're living together. They're ministering together. They're serving Christ together. And they, they go in such different directions. Demas, Demas, we don't know what it was in this world that he loved so much, but what it implies is that in loving this world, his, Christ, his love for Christ was, was lessened, perhaps even abandoned. We don't know all of his story, but these two men, Luke and Demas, their, their stories, while it's brief in Scripture and, and very significant at the very end there, it's not the last time that something like this has happened. You see, Though the times have changed and names change, really we continue to see these two stories. People who follow Jesus Christ with a passion, they, they come to him, they, they recognize their need to him and uh, a need of him, and, and somebody shares the good news of Jesus Christ with them. They realize that he is the answer. They, they realize he's the only answer. They realize he's the only one who can fix me. They realize he, is, he alone is their hope, and they surrender their lives to him, begin to follow him. And while so many continue on and are used of God, they grow in their relationship with Christ, their, their spheres of influence become many and larger. They touch people around them for the Lord Jesus Christ. But then there are some who, again, who walk 
in tandem with those persons or beside those persons who then have this breaking where something happens. There's something in this world that becomes a greater attraction. And while their passion for that grows, their passion for Christ lessens. You see, there's a part of me that wishes that this was some kind of an anomaly that, well, you know, there's that, there's that freak, that, that seldom, seldom thing that happens. It's the Luke and Demas phenomenon. I wish that I could call it that. It's, it's so rare, almost uh, hardly worth mentioning, but, but it's not because it happens all of the time. People come to Christ, they walk side by side for a while, and then after a while, while someone continues to grow in Christ, someone else grows cold in Christ, even abandons Christ, even sometimes because becomes an opponent of the gospel itself. I've seen it, perhaps you've seen it, we've experienced it. There are some, there are some occasions, some examples that are much more high profile than others, and yet for everyone that we know, there are many that we don't. Sometimes I have felt, I think, how Paul must have felt. When he writes about Luke, I have felt kind of like what Paul must have felt when I hear someone that, that I maybe had a, a part of a, a, an influence upon or some kind of a, an effect upon them in, in my walk with theirs or someone that I, I journeyed with, someone that I ministered beside, and, and they're continuing. I find out I don't see them or hear from them for years, but then I hear something you know, uh, uh, through one means or another, a phone call or a reunion or some Facebook post or something like that, and you hear what is happening in their lives, and you're going, glory to God. But there have been a number of times, too, where I've heard about something or learned about someone, and, and, and I find out that now they've taken, instead of the route of Luke, they've gone the route of Demas. And it's painful, isn't it? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've known the names are different, but the stories are strikingly similar. Both. For some months, I have... For some months, I have been deeply burdened and challenged from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, to bring a series of messages that will direct people towards one path and away from the other. Now, I say right up front, I know it's not entirely up to me that I have a part in this. It's not a very big part. Of course, the biggest part is the Holy Spirit who, who is with us at all times. And, and at, at very best, I'm going to stand up here just a relative few number of times in the course of a year and, and share with you some things that, direct, some things that will direct you down one path and, and away from the other. But the Lord has very clearly put on my heart to give you some, some tools to some essentials, if you will, some, some survival and beyond that, some, some things that will not only help us to the end, but will make us productive along the way. So the Lord has very much put this on me because let me tell you something, as a pastor, 
I, I don't just stand up here, this is my job, this is my calling. I, I would have never done this had God not called me to do it. And with everything in me as a pastor, if you're a part of this church, whether you've been here for uh, just a very short time or a very, very long time, if you've, if you've chosen to be a, a part of this fellowship, the part of this body of believers, then I have a holy responsibility to do everything that I can to see you become more the, the path of Luke than the path of Demas. So I want you to walk this journey with me as, as we look at these, these essentials. I'm calling these essentials, these key essentials, going the distance. And you're going you're gonna to hear that phrase quite a bit in, in coming weeks. Today, and again for weeks to come, I'm going to give you some of these, these tools for not only starting this journey with Jesus Christ, but continuing on for Christ. Continuing on for Christ and not just surviving through life, not just, you know, getting by and hopefully we'll make it right to the end and, and so to speak, fall across the finish line, just exhausted but almost dead. No, that's not how I want to go the distance. I want to live my life and I want you to live your life, not just as a surviving Christian, but as a victorious believer. So that however long our journey is, however long it takes us, however much time we have left, that we will finish strong, that we will go the distance and not just barely make it. My goal for you is not just for you to, to get to heaven, but before you get to heaven, to be used of the Lord, to be like a Luke and not like a Demas. So what are they? These essentials that I, I just referred to, what are these, these essential tools if you're going to go someplace, if you're going to go on a journey and you're, you can only take one toolbox, what would these tools be? What would these essentials be for not only survival, but for thriving, for growing, being effective in the Lord Jesus Christ? This morning, the first essential in going the distance may at first appear to be basic, uh, even elementary, but I assure you, it's, it's not. It is quite simply, hold on, it is quite simply reading the Bible. Quite simply reading the Bible. Quite simply reading the Bible. This amazing, incomparable book. Psalm 119, verse 105 reads this way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It's so brief. I'm going to read it again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light for my path. There are six key words there. You see it there in front of you. You hold it in your hands. There are six key words there that I want to briefly draw your attention to. The words your, word, lamp, feet, light, and path. See them there? Your, word, lamp, feet, light, and path. First of all, look at the phrase, the first two words there, your word. It is referring to God's word. 
In fact, you, you, you can read through first, uh, the, 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 you can read through all like 176 verses of Psalm 119. By the way, that is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is the longest psalm, of course. Uh, you'll see some kind of different words above uh, as a heading. That is actually the the Hebrew alphabet, it, is, it was a teaching tool for people to remember Scripture. All of those are the, uh, throughout Psalm 119, those are the Hebrew alphabet. But it's referring to God's Word. When it says your Word, it is referring to God's Word. You see, I, I want you to understand, and if you didn't know this about me, then you're about to learn this. I believe, and with everything in me, I will declare that this alone is God's Word. This alone. This is unique in all of the things ever written, in all of the things ever printed, in all of the things ever distributed. This book is unique. It alone is the Word of God. There are many people and many groups that refer to certain writings as holy scripture, but I assure you that this alone is the word of God. To, to some people that would sound very arrogant and even narrow-minded, but I say it with deep conviction and without reservation. God loved us so much that he inspired people over the course of many years to write his thoughts his plans, his purpose, his story, and his direction for mankind. God moved on people's hearts to give us his word. This is God's word. Now think about this for a moment. This is God's word. This is the, the heart of God for mankind. I've had so many of these over the years. I probably have 20, maybe 25 Bibles. I have Bibles, little Bibles that were in the back of a pair of pants and went through the washer and dryer, and I don't have the heart to throw them away. You ever do that? I can't do it. I love God's Word too much. I have a box of things like that. They're tattered, they're torn up, and they're beat up. Finally, one day, I was just really disturbed. I thought, I'm packing this thing around. I've been packing it around for years. And so I came up with an idea. Maybe I've shared this with some of you. Came up with this idea. I thought, you know what? I could, I could maybe throw away some of these Bibles, but I have to replace it with a Gideon Bible. And so I, I bought a whole bunch of Gideon Bibles to replace them, and I still couldn't get rid of them. I still have the box. I'm going to let my kids deal with it someday. Be, there, be on their conscience. I love God's Word because it's powerful. It alone is His heart, His words, His thoughts, His plans for mankind. This is your Word. Then, then it says, you see the words, lamp to my feet. A lamp, as you know, a lamp, a lamp is a, is a source of illumination. This is electric. Back then it would have been uh, some other kind of illumination, an illuminant, I think, would be the word. But a lamp is something that is a source of illumination. Lamps help us see. You know this. But this lamp is unique. It's not just, it's not just a lamp to help us see every place. It is a lamp, it says, to my feet. Now, our feet 
Our feet serve two purposes. Only two purposes. Our feet are for standing and for walking. Some people say they're for shoe stores also, but they're really only just for standing and walking. Otherwise, what good are feet? They're for standing and for walking. And it says here that God's Word is a lamp to my feet. So God's Word is a source of illumination. It helps us see where we stand and where we walk. God's Word helped me better understand where I'm standing, what I'm standing upon, or maybe more specifically who I'm standing upon, where I'm standing and where I am going. Walk implies implies action, that we're moving, that we're going forward. On rare occasions do we walk backwards, we generally walk forwards. We're going someplace. It says this, God's Word is a lamp for our feet so we can see where we're standing. Do you know where you're standing according to God's Word? Do, do you know where you're walking, where you're going according to God's Word? Probably every person here knows how terrible it is to walk in the dark in unknown places. <laughs> On occasion, uh, several times a year, I'm in a hotel room, and you know that's always a dangerous thing. Get up in the middle of the night, not saying that I do, but I'm just saying the hypothetical situation, and, and you get up in the middle of the night, and man, you just want to make sure that that path is clear because you could lose a toe real fast. How many know what I'm talking about? Boy, I tell you, I was someplace once, and I, I was walking, and I caught my left little toe, and it peeled that thing back, dislocated it, and that what I did not take pictures. You wouldn't want to see it. It was terrible. Why? Because I couldn't see where I was going. What did somebody say over here? Jake, I'm going to get you, man. Our feet are illuminated when God shows his, through his word where we're standing and where we're going. It's terrible to walk in unknown places. But God in his love has given us a lamp to show us where we stand and where we walk. Folks, we only get one walk through this life. There are no second chances. I don't care what someone else tells you. You only get one walk through life. So let's see where we're going according to God's word and let's make it count so that we can go the distance. Amen. And then, because without God's word, we're going to stumble through life. We're going to get injured. We're, we're going to waste time. But with God's word, we're no longer in the dark. I'm so grateful for God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet but it's only a lamp to our feet if we read it. It's only if we're, we're in this. And we can, we can say, hey, that's great. I love the word. Preach it. It's God's word. But it really won't make any difference unless we read it. This thing does not glow in the dark. It burns within me, but it doesn't glow in the dark. If you're, going, if you're in a hotel room, don't hold this in front of you. It won't work. Pull your cell phone out like I do. It only works if it's in us, if we read it. It says God's word is a light to our path. Feet were made for walking. Paths are made for walking upon. Paths have a purpose. 
Paths always have a purpose. They are leading somewhere. Very few times will you have a path that leads to nowhere. It's going there for a purpose. Listen, God has a path and a purpose for you. Somebody here needs to hear this today. You are not an accident. You are not incidental. He has a path and he has a purpose for you. Some of you have gone through some extremely difficult, life-shaking times, and you're wondering, do I still have a path? Do I still have a purpose? Some of you, perhaps, have had a title stripped from you, or you've lost a, an area of influence, or life has changed. Something has stirred up. But I want to assure you, I want to assure you that Jesus has a path and a purpose for you. You are not an accident, and you are not living in an accident. He has a purpose for you. His path will lead you through places you never thought you'd go. I'll tell you what, when I gave my heart to Jesus as a young man, and when I gave my heart to Christ as, as actually I was, a, I was a boy, I had no idea the paths that he had for me, and I'm really glad for that. Some of them have been wonderful, some of them have been absolutely terrifying, but I know this, I am on his path, and I find tremendous comfort in that. Not because I'm anything special. I'm just saying, man, I know there's a lot of ways to go, but I know that as I follow him, he's going to illuminate, he's going to, he's going to bring light to my path, and this is where I am to go. His word lights that path, but only if you are in his word. Let me say that again. This lights our path. It is a, it is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path, but it only works if we are in this word. I want you to go the distance. Uh, for some of you, this is so absolutely, to some of you, you've already got this knocked down, but, but all of us need to hear this, and some really need to hear it. We need to be people who make this thing, this book, this wonderful, incomparable book, a great priority in our lives. A few years ago, an organization began an extensive study of biblical literacy. By biblical literacy, it means people who have faith in Christ, who have declared faith in Christ, how well do they know the word? How, how, much, how, much does the, uh, how, how well do people know the word and how does the word affect their daily lives? Because if we just have a nice copy of this, this is a nice copy, in fact, I wore the other one out, it was looking too shabby, so I'm bringing another one, I'm using it at the pulpit now, but, but, but uh, uh, it's, it's not just a nice, nice, good-looking book that we put on the shelf and occasionally pull out, you know, for like the Christmas story or something like that, but how well, this organization was, how much do people make this as a source of direction, comfort, and help in their daily lives. Their findings were presented to me just, just a few months ago. In, in, this study, it, in this study, listen to this, they researched the spiritual lives of more than 100,000 people who claimed faith in Jesus Christ. Now, just so that you know, a study of only 1,000 people would be a massive study. Very few research pieces uh, would, would involve more than 1,000 people. This 100,000 people is a massive study. You know, polling, you hear a lot of polls. Often those polls are only 500 people. It's not a very good sampling. So 100,000 people is, 
is one of the most extensive studies that I've ever been aware of. Incredibly thorough. Their findings were remarkable, and you're going to see these words. Their findings consistently showed that reading a part of the Bible for more than, their, their, their findings consistently showed that reading a part of the Bible four or more days a week was the single most powerful predictor of spiritual growth in persons who profess faith in Jesus Christ. It was the number one thing. It was not these, the, these, these are people that have already given their hearts to Jesus Christ. They've surrendered their lives to Him. The number one factor in them growing in Christ was the reading of Scripture four or more days a week. They, they, they found this, they, they detailed 100,000 people. Not huge amounts of reading, but consistent reading. People that read for the Bible four or more times per week. Now, they also found that if a person engages in Bible reading four or more times a week, their odds of giving in to temptations such as drinking to excess, I don't think you should drink at all, but that's, this is the study, such as drinking to excess, viewing pornography, lashing out in anger, gossiping and lying significantly decreased. I want you to hear that. It significantly decreased. It went down. It, it went down as they committed themselves to simply reading the Word of God on a consistent basis, significantly. Now, they also found that when persons received, reflected upon, and responded to God's Word four or more times a week, their struggles with issues such as loneliness, destructive feelings towards themselves, self-harm or suicide, Destructive feelings toward themselves or others, not forgiving others or discouragement, all of those plummeted, plummeted. Those behaviors, there's, there's a connection be, between what we put in and how we live. I've heard that all the time growing up, but this is the first study that really found some of this. Now listen, listen. These are not on the screen, but I want you to listen to some of their findings by percentages. Listen to this. 100,000 people drinking to excess dropped 62% for people that said, I'm going to make God's Word an important part of my life. 62%. Viewing pornography down 59%. Having sex outside marriage, yes, that is a sin. Having sex outside marriage, down 59%. People that consistently, regularly read at least four times or more a week the Bible, just reading the Bible, followers of Jesus Christ, it's, it's with the understanding that they come to Christ. Those who, had, who, who were gambling, it dropped 45%. Those who who, uh, had destructive feelings about self or others, down 32%. Lashing out in anger, down 31%. Feelings of loneliness, down 30%. Gossiping, down 28%. And that's gossiping either verbally or with our thumbs. All right, they dropped 28%. Lying, down 28%. Family neglect, down 26%. What does this tell us? Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I see numbers like that, I kind of go, wow, that's pretty interesting. 
What does this tell us? What does this tell us? What does this extensive study tell us? It tells us that there's a significant correlation between how followers of Christ think and live and time spent in reading God's Word. Now, there are other factors to be sure, and we're going we're gonna to look at those, but this reveals to us that there is illuminating power in God's Word. <clears throat> I heard a long time ago, man, growing up, you know, you, you want to be strong in the Lord, you want to be strong in faith, and you read the Word. I've heard that all the time, but this is the first time that I've ever seen numbers that, that, that corresponded to spending time in God's Word. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, Pastor, you mean all I have to do is read God's Word and I'm never going to be tempted again? Absolutely not. Yeah, I got some realistic and maybe sad but real news for you. You're going to be tempted to about maybe five seconds before you die. It's the reality of life. Jesus was tempted, the Bible says, in every way, but he didn't sin. The thing is, when we are people who are people of this book, who commit ourselves to reading this book, it changes our lives. So that when the temptation comes, we are more able and ready to withstand it. See, I'm tired. I am tired of seeing people pushed around by the enemy. I am sick and tired of hearing about, learning about, talking with people that have been beaten up because they have given in to something. And I'm saying that is not how it's supposed to be. We must be people of the path of Luke rather than the people of the path of Demas. And God wants to help us. And one of the big things that he's given us already to help us is his word. It's his word. It implies, this study implies, that if we fail to spend time in God's Word, we'll be spiritually vulnerable. It will have a detrimental effect upon us and the people around us. But if God's Word, this shows us that if God's Word is consistently read, the light is turned on. It changes how we live. We might be tempted with something and we read it. This has happened to me many times. I read something in the morning and I face it in the afternoon. And I wait, 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 wait a minute, I just, I just read about this this morning. Ain't going to happen here. I don't know what holds in a day and neither do you, but you ever had a day like I've had days where, man, you're saying to yourself, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see all these things coming in this one day. But God can give us strength for those kinds of days. We have a choice. If God's word again is consistently read, the light is turned on, it changes how we live, and it becomes an essential in God's people going the distance. So here's my question for you. Don't raise your hands, but you need to answer, ask and answer this question. Are you, are you in this book? Are you in this book? Are you in this book? Are you? I, I, I think most Christians would say it is God's word. I mean, they, they, they'd go to the point of death declaring that. But I still have to ask the question, 
are you in this book? This morning, this morning, if you are not consistently reading the Bible, I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that God loves you. In fact, if you start reading this every day, he's not going to love you anymore. Because if his love for us is conditional upon what we do for him, then there's something desperately wrong. He loved you when you were still a sinner. But I will tell you this, it'll make you a stronger Christian if you're in this book. It'll make a huge difference in your survival and your thriving if you are in this book. See, while God's going to love us, whether we're in this book or not, if, if you've surrendered your life, to, man, He loves you. And he loved you even before you surrendered your life to Him. He loves you. But He doesn't want you to stay outside of this book. He wants you to go the distance. I want you to do something very important, something that is life-changing. Now, before I even say what it is, I, I'm fully aware. And see, this is one of the challenges that I have. I pastor people who have been serving Jesus for a few days and some for many, many decades. And so one message is heard by a lot of different peoples along this journey. But I also know that even though some of you have been on this journey a long time, it's still a struggle for you. So take that for what it is. So I'm going to give this challenge. It applies to all of us. Some it's going to maybe apply to even more. On four separate days this week, I'm asking you to sit down and read one chapter each day in the book of Matthew. If you are not consistently in God's Word and that has not become such a huge part of your life, then here I'm going I'm to help you. I'm going I, I, to help you. I'm, I'm giving you a tool and I'm asking you to use it. I want you to sit down and say, why, why, not, why, not, why not start in Genesis at the beginning? Because I'll tell you why, because Leviticus is coming. <laughs> I'm not putting down Leviticus because there's some real gold in Leviticus. It just, it's a little bit harder to mine sometimes. But I want you to start in Matthew. And on at least, on, you can do, there's six days between now and next Sunday. And, and, and I'm going to challenge you again next Sunday. But there's six days. But on at least four of those days, maybe all six, but on at least four of those days, I want you to sit down and I want you just to read one chapter. Tomorrow morning. Matthew chapter. It may mean getting up a little earlier. I recommend in the morning because I don't know about you, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it may just not get done. Because the to-do list comes screaming at you and by the end of the day you're too tired to even keep your eyes open. But that, that's what works for me. Maybe for you it, it, that works best. So I, I'm not going to, whatever works. But at some point tomorrow you get up and you read Matthew chapter 1. Or tomorrow afternoon, Matt, or lunch break, Matthew chapter 1. Or maybe, I did this, I was driving a lot this last week, and, 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 and on Friday I was with my parents and I didn't have a time, so I just, I just started listening to the Bible, and I, lift, listened, to, I listened to about uh, four chapters. And, and I went back a little bit and I listened to it again, because sometimes I don't get as much when I'm listening as when I'm reading, but I went back and I wanted to spend that time, and I... And I knew I wasn't going to have much time where I could sit and read because it's dangerous if you're going 70 miles an hour. 
in a 70 zone, right? You may say that's not very much. Yeah, but if you're not doing anything, that's huge. Do, 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 you, do you know that if you're, if, you're, if you're starving, physically if you're starving, uh, 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 a small amount will go a long way? Do you know that one can of soup can make all the difference in, in, in starvation if, if you're not? Uh, now, now, it can grow beyond that, and it should, but, but if you're not doing anything, listen, if the only spiritual food you're getting, I'm, I'm not dissing myself, but if the only spiritual food you're getting is, is a message on Sunday morning, you're You're starving. You're starving. You would, not, you would not say, hey, you know, man, I'm going to really load up on that Sunday noon meal. I'm, I'm hitting Pizza Ranch, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my $10 worth or whatever it is. Because I'm not eating until next Sunday. You would die. You wouldn't do that physically. I encourage you to do this. Consistently reading God's Word. And, and, and don't do it just this week, but continue to make it a part of your life. Uh, just speaking personally, this is one of the most important things that I do. And there are very few days, that, and I'm not saying, because I'll tell you what, sometimes it is a huge challenge. But to be in God's Word, because why? Because I want to survive. I don't go into God's Word devotionally looking for messages. I go in there because I need to make it to tomorrow. And I want to make it to the end of my life, and I want to go the distance, and I want to finish strong. So let's walk this path together. And don't say I'm too busy. I've heard that one a lot, even used it myself a few times. We always take time for the things that are truly important. Never heard anybody say, man, I've just been so busy for three days I haven't even eaten. You're going to eat because it's important. But I want you to understand that this feeds our spirit, among other things, but this more than anything. I, I finish with a personal example. My time is almost up, and I, I want to finish with a personal example. A dear friend of mine, he passed away about 15 years ago. His name was Dale. Some of you remember Dale Moulton. Dale Moulton was a wonderful, dear, dear friend, such a precious man to me, and it's hard to believe that he's been gone that long. Dale Moulton and his wife Helen uh, were were faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Both have gone on to be with Christ. Dale was uh, worked on the railroad. It's a it's a hard job. That's a big job. It's it's a, it's a long-hour job, and uh, he worked on the railroad. Uh, he also ranched south and a little bit west of, of town here, um, down kind of between here and, and Warner. Uh, they raised cows. It wasn't a big place, but I mean, in his spare time, right, from the railroad work, he would raise cows. And he also had, what, five or six daughters. Had a whole bunch of kids. So you got that many kids, you're going to be busy. And he was very, very busy. He didn't have a lot of time. I didn't know this about Dale. I knew, and he was a wonderful man, very sweet man, almost totally deaf, but just a wonderful guy. And uh, I, I really loved him and missed him. I was honored to do his funeral. I missed him when he was gone. But I found this out about Dale after he died. I learned this from his wife. Helen, we were talking, and she said, you know, he was a real man of the word. And I said, you know, I, I picked up on that because in our conversations, he would often refer to things in Scripture, and he would know place and, you know, where it was, and he and, and, and was very biblically literate, if you will. I said, yeah, I, it's apparent that he spent a lot of time. She says, no, no, you don't understand. He spent a lot of time. I said, how much time did he spend in the word? She said, he, and, and I forget the exact number, but the, I, I know it was in the Lord, low, low 40s. She says, she said, I'm pretty sure it was this. She said, he read through the Bible 42 times. 42 times. 
he's not a Bible college professor. He's not a pastor. He's not, he, he didn't teach Sunday school he, that I know of. He, he didn't do any of those things, but he loved God's Word, and he needed God's Word because life is hard. And here's a busy man who read God's Word, made it a huge part of his life, and today he's with the writer. Today he's with the writer of God's Word. He's in his presence. I'm going to see him again. I'm going to talk with him again. Now he's going to hear me because he's got good ears. Dale's gone. So are a lot of others. But, but you're still here. I want you to go the distance. And one of the big factors is read God's Word. Be a person of the Word. Get a good Bible and a, and a cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is and a lamp and a soft chair. Shut everything else out. Turn it off. Silence your phone, those blasted phones. They interrupt us all the time. Beep, beep, buzz, buzz. Turn them off and turn on the light of God's Word. That phone will never make you go the distance, but God's Word will help you go the distance. I'd like you to stand with me, would you please? If you have that Bible, even if it's on, even if it's on, I just put down phones and I said, if it's on your phone, go ahead and take it. Yeah, it's all right. I was listening to it the other day on my phone. If you have the Bible, even if it's an electronic one on your phone, if it's in your hand, I want you to take, by the way, if you don't have a good Bible, we'll get you a Bible. You see me afterwards and we'll get you a Bible. But, 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 but we're, we're, we want to be people of the Word. If you have that Bible, take it in your hands. If you have a Bible, bring it next week so you can mark it up. Take notes. I want you to bow your heads and I want to pray with you. I want to pray over you and I want us to pray together. Lord Jesus, we hold this Bible in our hands. But I don't want it to be just something I pull off a shelf occasionally. I don't want it to be something I just bring to church God, I'm, I don't know if anybody does that. I, I think we're beyond that, that we have to make a show of it. Maybe some, I don't know. But Lord, I know this, that this we all have in common. We need your word. May your word be a lamp to our feet. Help us to know where we're standing, where we're going. May it be a light to our path. You have a path for us. We're on that path. Having given our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we are on your path. But help us. Light our way. God, there's going to be so many different temptations. There's going to be so many things that poke holes in us this, this week. There are going to be words said, actions done, things that are brought before us, challenges that are bigger than we are, and they're going to just poke holes and just going to spiritually drain us at times. There are going to be people that drain us. There are going to be people that suck us dry. Lord, I need to fill up. There's a lot of ways, Lord, but none more important than you speaking to me 
and I push everything else aside, turn off that TV, close that computer, turn off that cell cell phone, close the door, get away by myself with your word. Help me, help us, so that we will not only make it to the end, but so that along the way we'll make a difference in the world around us. This we pray, and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of his word.